Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a certified sex coach and clinical sexologist based in Kansas City. And I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy good conversation about love, heartache, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over and probably listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. I'm joined today by Mistress Elliot, also known as the Queen of Naughty. She owns a dungeon here in town, and of course I wanted to know all about that. Her journey into BDSM is a beautiful one. She's got two of the best good boys in town, and I really enjoyed hearing her evolution and how she got to this point. If you're interested in kink and BDSM, this is going to be a great episode for you because we discuss you know, what some of the rules are like around getting into the community. I think the most interesting part of our conversation was talking about how kink can heal trauma. That's definitely been a topic that I've discussed with people lightly in the past, but she was speaking about some of her personal experiences and what she has seen from people that come to her dungeon or people that she's dominated. Mistress Elliot is one of the most interesting people that I've interviewed in a long time. I mean, all my guests are fabulous, but how often do I get the chance to interview someone that owns their own dungeon? Not very often. And I can't wait to go to her, her location myself. If you want to get a hold of Mistress Elliot or find out more about her work, check the show notes. I've got a link in my bio to her website. So I've got something fun and new to tell you all about. I know I've been talking on my last few episodes in my intro about how you should follow me on TikTok. Well, through that, I got connected with a company that's helping me offer a new service. If you've ever wanted to ask me, a certified sex coach, a question, you can text me now and I will be able to send you a personalized response. Your first question is free. So text 339-900-2304. You will get a personalized text, audio, or video response back from me. I'm so excited to use this as a way to better connect with people and, you know, just sometimes people want a single question answered. I'm happy to answer. I just don't like doing it in DMs. So text me again, 339-900-2304. If you missed that, it'll be in the show notes, but also you can find that link in any of my bios on my social media platforms. Find me on Facebook, Twitter. Instagram, and TikTok. All right, on with the show. On my show today, I am joined by Mistress Elliot, who is a, I don't even know what I should call you, dungeon mistress or just a top extraordinaire, but welcome to the show. Hi, it's nice to be here. So what would you describe yourself as? Gosh, um, I am... An occasional pro dom, mm -hmm. but mostly retired. Especially COVID has shut me down for a year. But normally, a pro dom, um, a proprietor of a BDSM dungeon, mm -hmm. 
I'm also the proud owner of two male slaves mm -hmm. and just all around queen of naughty. I love it. Queen of naughty. Okay, that's what I'll call you from now on. Okay. You have been described as having the best two good boys in town, so which that's I have right. met them. Uh, yeah, so your club is called Black Dog. The Black Dog. The Black Dog. And it is a, um, I, I would say my perception from my limited experience in the BDSM community, mostly as, of course, a sex coach, less as a practitioner, but I'm getting into it more as a practitioner, is that you are a um, sort of a more elevated club. It's a little higher protocol, um, but in a good way. Yes. I mean, he's all in good ways. Yes. And, and something we were talking about before the show that I think what a lot of people don't understand about BDSM, I mean, it has gotten to be less taboo over the last decade. Techniques that are practiced within BDSM are becoming more and more mainstream. Yes. And seen as less taboo. But there's there's still a lot going on with that. So we'll, we'll kind of get into some of that. But BDSM isn't necessarily something that everyone should just be like going into it and, and practicing. That for a long time within the community, there have been protocols. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about that a little bit more with you. You know, protocols these days, I, I don't know what people might think of them, but... What, what did protocol sort of mean to you when you first got into this lifestyle? We could talk about protocols in two different ways. Mm -hmm. One, I mean, they're both sort of rules. We'll just call them rules. For, we'll call them rules for now. Mm -hmm. And when you first show up, say, oh, I think I'm really going to like bondage, discipline, sadism, masochism. Okay, because I always go back to saying BDSM in the words that make mm -hmm. it up so that you really are reminded of what it is you're getting yourself into. Mm -hmm. You know, BDSM is very attractive if you think about it as, you know, the thing you saw in the movie trilogy and you watched it at home with mom. The one that will remain unnamed for now because yes. we don't need to give it any popularity. No. <laughs> but if you watched it with your mom and your sister, it's, 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 it's tame mm -hmm. compared to what you might encounter in a real BDSM dungeon. Mm -hmm. um, when I first went, I didn't really know there were special rules. I figured there was some sort of etiquette. Mm -hmm. um, and the longer you hang around, the more rules you find there are mm -hmm. and the more differences there are between these people and their rules, these people and their rules, this couple and their rules, mm. this triad and theirs. So there's sort of this amorphous, agreed upon way you do things, yet now the belief that you can do anything in your own dynamic, which is you and your persons, that there can be no rules at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I, it's, it's very confusing. <laughs> Especially for someone who's just exploring. The, the, the very basic rules are don't touch other people's stuff. Mm -hmm. And that includes people in this case. Mm -hmm. You know, I went from through the swingers door oh, and mm -hmm. swingers touch each other. Mm, yes, that's what um, I understand, yes. They also get... Uh, May I swear? Yes, absolutely. They get shit hammered and touch each other a lot. And they barely make eye contact before they're touching. Mm. In BDSM, it is so far the opposite yes. of that. Consent is paramount. Oh, my. And even down to people's stuff, 
You know, when people get out their implements that they're going to use, say someone is going to spank somebody or they're going to flog them or whip them, they lay all their stuff out, mm -hmm. especially the men. They really get off on the toys, <laughs> the stuff, uh, the handles made of hickory. And, you know, they get very excited about this kind of steel. And But I didn't know. I mean, I was probably around a couple of years, and this guy laid out this really pretty thing. And I walked up and just picked it up because I wanted to touch it. The stuff is so touchable. I mean, it is mm -hmm. leather and wood and steel, and it's very palpable. Mm -hmm. And I picked it up, and he looked at me like, I just fingered his girl, <laughs> like, oh. And somebody politely told me, you don't pick up other people's stuff. Mm -hmm. Just because it's laid out very nice. It looked like a surgeon, you know, he was mm -hmm. ready to mm -hmm. hit all of his things. To me, it looked like a display. Mm -hmm. To him, it was his order of work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, protocol could be, you could do a 12-month series on what that exactly means. Mm -hmm. So as, as we talk about different things, if you want to ask me what the protocols are for each one, I can help you better. Sure, sure. So again, with the perception of the community that yours is a little higher protocol, it was more of, it's not for newbies. No. Mm -hmm. And newbies being people who are just getting into or understanding themselves, understanding what's available you mm -hmm. know, and, and who's out there, who were the, who were the teachers, who are the practitioners, uh, all those things. But then beyond that, once you've gotten experience, you understand your boundaries. And that is what I've kind of we been told hope. is like, yes, right. And mm -hmm. you may also have some things to discover, certainly, because a lot of times these things are experiential. I say I'll try anything once or probably twice, maybe three times just to really see. You have to have that attitude here, I think. <laughs> But, you know, you may have that experience a couple times be like, that was that was nice. But maybe like you just need to shift it a little bit or you you really tried that third or fourth time. You're like, yeah, just doesn't doesn't really do it for me. And you might just get hit with like a cane mm -hmm. once and think that is enough. Yeah. I mean, there's they're definitely just nope. Mm -hmm. At least there were for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Canes being one of them. No, I didn't get to do canes when mm. I played out a scene. Um, I've only gotten to play out one. It was partly timing with everything with COVID. But yeah, there were a few things that I couldn't do because I broke my tailbone a couple of years ago. So we weren't doing any like hard. Yeah, we hard, skip that. Yeah, no thuddy things, no canes, nothing super hard. But I loved the bull whip. Loved the whip. Which my top was surprised by that. He's like, most people are so you're a stingy person. I like the stingy stuff. Yeah, which means you would like electricity as yes. well. Yes, I have a um, fiber optic whip that I took to a music festival I love Bonnaroo a couple of years ago. And I loved the stinging sensation of it, like whipping around on my skin because you whirl it around, it, you know, and gets you. I even woke up one morning, had these marks on my thighs I thought were dirt. And I kind of like did my thumb and like, oh, those are bruises from my whip. And how did you feel about that? Good. Yeah, excited. I was like, look at my bruises. Look at my bruises. That's yeah, kind of how bruises. you know. If you find the bruise as a trophy versus, oh, God, I hope nobody notices these, that you know you're, you're kind of twisted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> After my first scene... You know, I came home because it was really just to play out the scene. It, and that's the thing I think a lot of listeners need to know as well is that there's people in the community who it's not necessarily about it being sexual afterwards. It could be sexual in the moment or sexy, like, but there's a distinction that not everyone who's playing out a scene is then going home to have wild, mad, passionate 
sex afterwards. Some do, some don't. The sad truth is most don't. Mm -hmm. And I say that's sad because everybody expects, well, you know, everybody who comes to my place, or if you've never been to a BDSM dungeon, they come in there thinking, this is the hot sex club, and we're going to see hot, sexy people all over the place. Well, I don't know if you've looked around in Kansas City closely. (laughs) We're not the hottest, sexiest bunch. No. And we are just... Uh, we are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? We're just a handful, a collected, just a scoop of Kansas City thrown into, um, in my case, it's an old former church uh-huh. with a bunch of equipment, but we're not very pretty and we're not, we're nothing like the movies. It's not nines and tens. Not no. to say there aren't beautiful, sexy people there, Absolutely. but you need to consider this is a uh, sort of like a snapshot of the entire community. Yep. You've got all bodies, shapes, and sizes. You've got all attractiveness levels. And I'm not trying to like categorize people and say like, some people just aren't, you know, the guy that I'm masturbating to when I <laughs> think about a hot movie star. So let me put it that way. But yeah, after my first scene, the next day I got an invite for a pool party and I... I was like, oh, fuck. And I pulled my shorts up to where my line would have been for yeah. the swimsuit. I was like, way too many unexplainable bruises. I don't think I'm going to this pool party. Damn. Damn. <laughs> Get a wetsuit. Yeah, right? It just depends on how badly you wanted to go to that pool party. I kind of did want to go to that pool party. But I did still eventually fuck that guy. So. Well, you might have found out that guy was like, hey, cool bruises. This is true. See, we recognize each other out, out in public. This guy was interesting. I'll just say that. I'll just say that he had the kind of... Hmm. He's very into, like, cosplay and costumes and sort of, like, Mm -hmm. doing that. And when I walked into his house, I felt like I was walking into something that was, like, pirate-themed. Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, had, like, fishnet like strewn over books and like fake gold doubloon laid what on the bookcase. What is it case. about the pirate people? It's, it's, a, it's, it's a thing. Pirates it's a, is the whole thing. I have yes. a friend that's like totally well, like you, pirate you life. You can be PC about it. I don't have to be. It's just <laughs> weird and creepy. Ahoy, mate. No. Oh, God. <laughs> he, I, and I don't think pirates are his only thing. I have another friend who actually fucked him too. And she and I found we've fucked a lot of the same people, but we were talking about this guy and, and not like laughing at him, but just having like a like girls talk about mm-hmm. it. She's like, did he take you into his costume room? I'm like, uh, I'm sorry, is what? She's like, his spare room is just like racks of clothes with costumes. So I was like, no, why didn't I get the invite into the fucking costume room? I'm, I'm both repelled and completely compelled by this. Right? I want to see the costume room. I would have put something totally. on for him. That would have made it a little bit more, again, experiential. Mm-hmm. I've never really done much cosplay, so that would have been kind of fun. But just having sex in the pirate-themed room without any of the, like, accoutrement just felt kind of, like, half-assed. And it wasn't very yeah. good anyway. So, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you think? The first time you thought dungeon, mm-hmm. uh, what did you think it was going to look like in there? Like, what was your... Okay. So, <clears throat> I'm a visual person. Um, I thought of, so I'm closing my eyes, dark lighting, like low lighting, um, the St. Andrew's crosses, which I have seen, and then different, like, things to, like, prop you. Um, but I thought there'd be maybe be, like, more shit hanging from the ceiling. Um, that would be a little bit more, like, 
private rooms, mm. um, which I like the one I have been to here in town had big open rooms and it had some smaller private rooms mm-hmm. downtown or downstairs in the basement. Um, but yeah, I thought more people, more loud music, you know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people in leather. Yes. Latex. Um, yes. I thought I'd see Maybe cat more people suits. covering their faces oh. than, than I had. Yeah. Like when I went, it was just like, hi, I, I could, yeah, cool. Everybody's mm-hmm. just like, hi, I'm here. No, no mask, no nothing. I mean, pre COVID. <laughs> right. Sure. But I was thinking of like leather masks or even just like an eye mask or just, I don't know, even wigs, just maybe people. More were, eyes wide shut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not quite so like um, opulent. Yeah. More leather and latex, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought there would be like you know, dominatrixes and in, in black shiny latex with men on leeches and you know, mm-hmm. spiky collars mm-hmm. and the first place I ever went to, I opened the door and this very large, enthusiastic, like twenty one year old girl just came running down the hall, hopping, jumping up and down in nothing but white bobby socks. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, hi, <laughs> hi, it's nice to see you. And she kind of just bounced away down the hall. And like, oh, it's like, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. That's, this is different. This is going to be different. It's a little bit more like a music festival to me than I expected. Where again, just people from all walks of life, sort of all doing their own thing. That was the one thing I, I, uh, maybe had it, in mind was that people would be more, um, hi, I'm going to grab, you know, like you're coming in I don't know you and I'm going to like grab you and take you over and like oh. show you things or mm-hmm. that it was, a, but everyone keeps to themselves a lot more than I thought, but they, they talk, yeah. but in the playtime, I mean, they're have, keeping to themselves. Have you been to any, have, how many have you been to? Okay, so I've been to, okay. I've been to a BDSM bar, bar sinister in LA. Okay. Where they do things upstairs. Stuff. Yes. Yeah. They've got the dungeon upstairs. And then, um, another one here in town mm-hmm. uh, that's not yours because typically they're not like the the, the big one here in town mm-hmm. is bigger than any dungeon i've ever seen mm-hmm. i i i think it's unusual in my experience for them to have many different rooms mm-hmm. for one as a dungeon owner myself liability wise I don't know what's happening in all these closed rooms. Mm-hmm. Now, I know the coasts have, you can rent a submissive mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. That's, yeah, because LA or California has different laws. I, There's professional dungeons open all over Los Angeles. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, but we're in the middle of the, the Bible Belt. The rules aren't nice here. The laws aren't particularly fond of us. Mm-hmm. And I just don't have the experience to run a place where things are going on behind totally closed doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that. So, so for most part, lots of dungeons I've been in a fairly big one room, mm-hmm. everything's going on in there. And then socializing might be done in an outside area or mm-hmm. a room on the other side. Mm-hmm which is actually my favorite because the place I first went to had a viewing room uh-huh. so you could sit and watch everything happening. But the dungeon itself was a sanctuary. It was quiet. Mm. People weren't, nobody was allowed to just sit in there and, and babble. Yeah. You just, you shut up and you just watched all the stuff around you or you could go out, watch through the viewing room and we met everybody through that viewing room because mm-hmm. everybody will talk to each other in there. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like when you ride in a car with somebody, if you're both looking forward, you're likely to have a more intimate conversation than if you sit looking at each other. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Like we're all on the bus together. So <laughs> rather than be embarrassed and show that I was new, I could just be like, what is that? BDSM people love to tell you mm-hmm. anything about BDSM. Don't ever. So if you're new yeah. and you ever end up at a place with BDSM, people ask questions. I've met very few who did not want to talk about it and talk about it probably more than you wanted to ever talk about it. Don't ever be afraid to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Good, good idea. Good idea. So how long has it been since you started exploring BDSM yourself? I've been in this community, like active for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, it started, I mean, all of us kind of realize in retrospect that we were kind of kinky or a little pervy mm-hmm. from very early on. Mm-hmm. Lots of us don't, especially my age, I'm in my mid-40s, there wasn't really an avenue straight out of high school into no. such a thing. You know, my husband and I are both, and and my slave, are all from the era where you still had to look into, you know, you had to find old arcades. Mm-hmm. and find the flyer on a wall or there may just be a phone number and I was too young for that I didn't do that <laughs> now someday you should have um, Anders my husband on he's from he did all the underground things and oh, he's yeah, by too so he did a lot of his all of his guy stuff on the down low mm-hmm. and those guys they invented down low yeah. they, they've got it down and his stories are endlessly fascinating they're not always positive mm-hmm. but they're fascinating um, so we had to kind of come to it a little later on in life if most of us went off to college and then mm-hmm. we did what we're supposed to do which is try to find a job and get married and then i found myself in early 30s I just had a kid and found myself living in a suburb of Chicago in a desert I hated it Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be this person and I didn't realize it until that moment Mm -hmm. I can remember the the moment I looked into the sink I looked down at the garbage disposal and as I flipped it on and something went down it just occurred to me you don't have to do this And for 30 years before, it had not ever crossed my mind that this was somehow just an option that I had chosen, that this, this, I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And now I see people all the time going through the same thing, and we call it the midlife readjustment. Yeah, I like that. Because you, it's the, and I also don't, when I meet people in their laters, I'm like, have you been through the breakdown yet? Because then you... I like people once they've been through the meltdown. I had my meltdown. <laughs> has everything in your life crashed? Everything you thought you were going to be when you grow up has now been disintegrated mm-hmm. and you've realized, wow, I have to start all over? Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh-huh. Then welcome to the club. These are my <laughs> favorite people. Your trauma loves trauma. Yeah, right. So, but I, I really, that moment changed my life. I'm a, I'm a very different person mm-hmm. in some ways and not. If we went to my high school reunion and they said, hey, you know, she's a dominatrix now, everyone would be like, oh. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I could have seen that coming. <laughs> I didn't, but in retrospect, yes. I, 
Yes. So, so the signs were there. So I, I, I got divorced mm-hmm. and that really started the sexual revolution. Mm-hmm. And so did my first divorce. The first boyfriend, <sighs> we talked about stuff I never talked to my husband about. And so we entered, we just like, well, let's try this. Let's try this. Went through the swingers door. Like, let's try this. Then the next person I dated was like, hey, let's try this. And Mm -hmm. we ended up on FetLife somehow. Mm -hmm. And then it's, I had no master or anything at that time. Then I was broken up. And then I just decided I'm going to go to the dungeon that's outside of Lawrence. It's closed now. It was Mm -hmm. called the Sanctuary. I've heard of the Sanctuary. Everybody loved the Sanctuary. Mm -hmm. It's like a mythical place. It's on Mount Olympus now. (laughs) Only Zeus goes there. Like it's become bigger than life in memory, and so I just went out on my own for the first time. I didn't have anybody with me. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I just knew I really liked this, and since I didn't have a partner anymore, I was just gonna go. Mm-hmm. And as a woman in her mid thirties, and you know, blonde, I was blonde then, and pretty small, like petite. Oh. It was like swatting flies. Yeah. Because anytime a new person shows up and then a new submissive woman shows up, like everybody's Mm -hmm. everybody, even if you don't want one for yourself, everybody was stuck all over me and I didn't play or do anything for a year. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't hook up with anybody. I didn't become anybody's. I just watched which I highly recommend is another thing. If you want to get started, find out where people are doing it and just watch. Just so list, I, that's what listen. I did my first few times. Absolutely. It was just go observe. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for you to come to my place I will though, love that. because it's really different. Mm-hmm. And my place, see, I thought the reason I asked you what you thought dungeons might look like, mine was was similar. There would be lots of intrigue and but I thought it would be the kind of place like 17th century vampires would hang out in mm-hmm. Paris or New Orleans because of course I just read an interview with the vampire by Anne Rice. Uh, so mm-hmm. you know Lestat would hang out here. Yes. And so when I went to put together my own place, it is all red velvet everything red velvet all the furniture's victorian i love red velvet i love opulent shit i have you ever seen a picture of it haven't oh my god you're gonna die and it's in an old church even better it's in a former church nice little protestant church nothing fancy no cathedral which would be my dream (laughs) right (laughs) do you know how much they go for Okay, forget it. If you're hoping that Black Dog's moving to a church, it's not because we've tried and it's just... We can start a GoFundMe. They don't sell churches to people. they don't. Mm -hmm. There's apparently an underground church selling thing. Hmm. Try it. Look, every corner has a church on it. Churches go in and out of business all the time. They do. Mm -hmm. I've probably looked at three and three years for sale. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they do with them. They trade them. (laughs) Poker games and late night. I don't know what's... So mine's former church. It's all pretty much like Victorian furniture. Uh We can get away with it. Auctions are fantastic for that. We furnished the whole place with used everything. Perfect. Um, It's just there's I really wanted to focus on socializing Mm -hmm. because I really believe ultimately what holds BDSM together is tribe. It's very much about building a community, which is why you won't see just sex the way you do at, if you're lucky, at a swingers club. Mm -hmm. A lot of the, 
a lot of say hurting somebody and allowing yourself to be hurt by somebody is about connection much more than it is about sex because mm-hmm. you have many different sorts of masochism which masochism is um, you you get off sexually by being actually physical pain turns you on that's the official definition mm-hmm. but I know a lot of people who are masochists for the same reason you climb a mountain mm-hmm. those same people who go to Everest mm-hmm. It's an achievement. It's to get through this moment. It's, and if you're really dedicated, say, to your top, um, sometimes it's it's a wanting to go a little farther for them. Mm-hmm. And that could be fraught with its own dangers Yeah, because we teach all of this personal responsibility. But yes, sometimes you do stretch just a little farther because of your the person pushing you and the person pushing you, you want to trust to know, knows how far to push you, how much to ask. And you have to be able to know how much you're going to give, but it can be really powerful. It can be really growing. I mean, the growth just on both sides. It is such a huge subject. We're not going to, lots of this is going to sound like mumbo jumbo (laughs) because it can be really spiritual. Mm -hmm without even getting to like the wacky spiritual side, which there is a place for that too. Mm -hmm. There are people who really are into that stuff, Mm -hmm. but just in general, you share this bond once you go through a thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, how many people have that you're close to, have you knelt on the floor with your arms wrapped around each other, bawling and sometimes sort of dabbing the blood off of their back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. None. And in this society, we touch each other one of only two ways, right? Sexually and violently. There's very little uh, sort of in-between touch. Mm-hmm. There's no just comfort mm-hmm. or, I mean, some of us had that relationship with our parents, but lots of us are good Midwesterns, good Protestanty-like Midwesterners, and we did not touch. Mm-hmm. We did not ask and we did not tell. Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of this is a whole new, this whole snuggly cuddling phase. Did people cuddle when you were young? I, we did not, this is a new thing. <sighs> the, the cuddle stuff, no. I mean, like, just a partner and stuff, but yeah, like friends, like cuddling on the couch. The together. cuddle puddles. No, the cuddle puddles, like that was not a thing. Yeah. My 20-year-olds mm-hmm. running around my place, I had, this is new for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very new. And it's, I've just had to come to face that it's just not me. <laughs> Plus, you know, the femdom is not supposed to be particularly cuddly, I right? guess. So <laughs> nobody's particularly surprised that I'm like, this is personal space. This is my space mm-hmm. right here. I'm a switch. And yeah, cuddling is one of those things that like, I only want for very select things um, or from select people. I definitely need to have a connection sort of with somebody before I'm doing things that are more intimate. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily consider being whipped or flogged to be that level of intimacy, though mm-hmm. it's still intimate. So It yeah. depends on who's doing it, too. Mm-hmm. It's so different. Yeah. Yeah, like my top, he was an old friend of mine. I'd known him since, like, middle school. And he asked, like, what aftercare I wanted when I was done. I was like, I just want you to brush my hair. Like, I don't really need to cuddle or anything, but he used to have really long hair. 
And he was like, yeah, I can totally do that. I haven't gotten to play with long hair in a long time. So yeah, that was all I really needed. I was like, I don't really need cuddles. I don't need to like lay on you or like, you know, sitting by you is fine. But like, yeah, I, I was yeah. looking for that level of intimacy. Yep. Cuddle puddles. Hey, if you like them, more power to you. The kids are, the kids can do it. I, and I, I'm really fascinated and kind of admire that they have that level of just, they can just lower those boundaries and just not mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Boundaries are definitely shifting. I think, um, society is shifting, which I think are, is in a, there's some things that worry me, but there's some things that really give me hope. I'm glad you have the hope. Yeah. (laughs) because <laughs> I got all the worry. Oh, I'll keep the hope for us. Okay. Well, I want to take a quick break. But okay. After the break, there's definitely some things I want to uh, follow up on a little bit about your BDSM journey. Um, I actually had uh, something come up from an Instagram follower that I want to um, share with you and talk a little bit about. And uh, of course, here's some more personal stories. I'm full of them. <laughs> It's time for a quick break. I promise it'll just be a minute, so stay tuned. I'll be right back after a few words that help me get paid. Are you cool with tarot? Yeah. Like the the deck? Yeah. Let me grab my deck real quick. Because I usually do a one-card draw at the end for people. I was just re-memorizing my astrological houses last night. Oh, yeah? Yes. I am... Capricorn with Capricorn rising, a Taurus moon, but also Capricorn Venus. So it's kind of nice that I've got consistency because the way that I feel and the way that I emote and the way I show love and need love are all pretty consistent. So I don't have to like worry about like, oh, well, this is my. You're very tenacious. You're very tenacious. Very. Very tenacious. Very. My son is a Capricorn with Capricorn rising. Yeah? You know, Virgo and Capricorn are each other's best match. Mm-hmm. I like Virgos I'm a, a Virgo. lot. I like Virgos a lot. I've always gotten along with Virgos. Uh, my partner's a Libra. I enjoy his energy, actually. He's a little bit more decisive than many Libras. What? He's actually pretty I was going to say, because that's the part that makes me want to punch myself in the face. But here's my thing. I also came from the weight loss industry. And in the weight loss industry, oh. you, you don't just give people open-ended solutions. You give them the witch clothes. You have this option or this option, which works best for you. Mm-hmm. So I don't just ask him, like, what do you want to do for dinner? Yeah. I go, would you like Indian or Chinese tonight? He's like, uh, let's do Indian. So by that account, <laughs> I was married decisive. to a Libra. He would, he would spend six months researching what car to buy, uh-huh. buy it, return it. I'm a Virgo Scorpio. We, uh, yeah, there, there's no time decision. I don't even regret my own decisions after I make them in a split second. I will take some time to make a decision, but once I've made that decision, it's made. It's, it's, it's done. Mm-hmm. But I don't take forever. I kind of take like medium time. I'm not short. I'm not slow. I'm like, that's probably the most right advisable. Mm hmm. Yeah. Experts would probably agree that's the right way to do it. Do my research, think about it, sleep on it. I'm a very gut instinct kind of person. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I teach like classes, especially classes for women, instinct. I don't discount your gut instinct. Intuition. That's for sure. 
I, I did a show actually talking about trusting your intuition God, and like I'm checking so in with glad. that body feeling and checking in with yes and checking in with no and learning mm. what that sensation feels like so that when you're in the moment and your boundaries are being tested, you can feel oh what yes feels like and you can feel what no feels you can't, like. We're taught from birth as women to ignore that thing. Mm -hmm. It's such a shame. Mother Nature spent millions of years giving us this fantastic satellite dish that sits on the top of our head and goes do 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 and alerts us far before mm -hmm. the conscious brain i yeah it's a yeah. fantastic system i'm very enthusiastic about it i'm with you on that there's a book called the gift of fear by gavin oh, de yeah. becker i remember that book okay. yes yes i bring that book to every single in no matter what i'm teaching i bring that book yep because you you can learn something from the fear. The Every, fear is there for a reason. Oh my god, I love that book. But it's checking it, checking in with it, and understanding where it comes from. Is the fear something that society is telling you is wrong and dirty and naughty, and you should be fearful of it because it's taboo? Mm -hmm. Is it something that just really truly is like that's your boundary and you don't want to do that, or like truly are you in a dangerous situation? And your body will always tell you. Yep. Mm hmm. Yeah, we could have, I could really, this is one of my favorites as well. I used well. to be a karate instructor, and that was a book that my instructor made me read. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, I used to have it. It might still be it on my It also has fantastic instructions on what to do with the stalker. Mm-hmm, yes. Really it's great so rules on it. And I have right, used it, it over and over again, not because I've had too many stalkers, but the same things that work with stalkers work with persistent assholes. <sighs> and one of the things is if, I love this, if you, if someone's harassing you, and you respond in any form or fashion, you earn yourself an approximate three more months of harassment, mm -hmm. whether that's a, a minor harassment or, or stalker. Mm -hmm. And so I just use that for everything. There's a troll mm -hmm. online. If I refuse to engage for three months, they go away. Mm. And if you engage them, you've earned yourself another three months. Good point. I love that rule. Yeah, I forgot about that. It has been since like 2001 or two since I read that. I reread it every couple of years. I might still be on my shelf somewhere. I may have given it away, but I'm going to look for that one. Thank you for the reminder on that book. The it's also good on tape because tape. I'm so old. <laughs> they used to have this stuff have books called on tape, tape, right? Um, they have it on audiobook. Uh -huh. Sometimes that's good because I can just put the chapter I want to remind myself about. I do love audiobooks for that. Also, my. ADD and the anxiety and depression from the pandemic has made it more challenging for me to focus when I'm reading. Read the paragraph and at the end I'm like, what the fuck did that just say? Read it again. So I've been doing audiobooks along as I'm reading. So that way I can like underline important points and really absorb it and make it through fast without then going like, oh wait, I need to like look at that. That's a really interesting point. Let me go Google this. Look at this. And maybe this client needs that thing. No, just finish the fucking book. Kristen. I <laughs> can't read on Kindle for that reason. It's too close to the internet for me. Mm -hmm. So, oh, I need to highlight that. I need to screenshot that and put that over here in so and so's notes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I do that all the time where I'm, I'm trying to read Come As Kindle. You Are. I've been trying to read Come As You Are for two fucking years. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great book, but it took getting scribed for me to get through page 80 in like a week. I had picked it up so many times and started it over because that's what I do too. I started it over. Anyway, I digress on the book stuff, but thank you again for that reminder. I got another book for you later too. Okay, perfect. So uh, one place I would like to pick up is, again, 
you talked before the show about uh, there used to be a little bit more uh, sort of protocol, process, tradition mm-hmm. within BDSM, and that you actually served as a sub for a year before you were a top. Yes, at least my fr- officially for a year. Mm-hmm. I'd been sort of a bottomy kind of sex partner for a while before that. Mm-hmm. But, but that used to be tradition a that lot, you sort of had to like serve your time, I'll, earn your way. You know, there's there's debate always on what's tradition, what was made up recently. Uh-huh. You know, just same like what Native American tribes really did and uh-huh. what we now fantasize and romanticize that they uh-huh. really did. But Gay male leather culture Mm -hmm. had rules. That's where all of us heterosexual people kind of stole or appropriated Appropriated. ours Mm -hmm. from. And one of them is you serve at least a year as a submissive before you ever take the position as top can't be someone's sir or master or whatever you want to call it until you know what it's like to to serve mm-hmm. i love it mm-hmm. the idea being it's an extremely powerful teaching tool mm-hmm. because how can you lead if you don't know what it's like to follow yeah because it's not like someone just jumps into a leadership position at a job without hopefully having done the positions underneath that you know, or right? we've all worked for that, know, person that person who did it hasn't yes but the most effective leaders are the ones who moved up through the ranks and had the experience. So yeah, you're right. That does that does make sense. I, I love it. I wish that it was still something that we did, but you won't find very many people younger than me mm-hmm. who did it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just lucked into it more than nobody said, you know, you have to do this. It just happened to be where I was when I showed up. I was shocked to find out that I was really preferring the bottom position. Mm -hmm. So I did it. I loved it. And then after about a year, year and a half, I met my partner who was also a submissive. Mm -hmm. Also, you're going to hear us say submissive, bottom, and slave. Mm -hmm. Just for beginners, consider them all three the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. Or we'll just use bottom and top. Mm Those imply not a serious relationship. Top and bottom can be people who just know each other but mm-hmm. have no other relationship. What's the difference between a slave and a sub? We'll have another show on that someday <laughs> uh-huh. because some subs seem like slaves. Some slaves seem like subs. So what's a sub? It's just a person who does what the top says. That's, mm-hmm. that's my yeah. briefest ability. Everybody has a different version of why they call it that. Who can, some can't use slave, and I totally understand why. Mm-hmm. It's just recently become a word I can even spit out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. and it's, it's Just ask me later right. about that. But yes, I just found myself in this. I loved service. I loved being objectified. Mm-hmm. When you've been in control and in power of everything, it's the same reason powerful executives, that stereotype, go to a dominatrix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's for one hour, two hours, you don't have to make a decision. You are nothing. No one expects anything of you. Mm-hmm. You know, in that dominatrix role, that at least, you know, if you're somebody's bottom, you might have a lot of expectations. But it was wonderful to be told in the middle of watching television together, you know, my master would say, stand up, take off your clothes. All of them, all of them. Mm-hmm. Put on those black patent heels I like. Mm-hmm. And you say, yes, sir. <laughs> and you, you pad in your little 
your little bare feet to the other room and you catch a glimpse of yourself going by in the mirror like holy shit somebody wants to just watch me naked this is so weird and cool and you get the heels and you put them on and he just says just stand there next to the television just stand here just stand here mm-hmm. and then he would just sit there and look like he was i don't know contemplating and he would say turn and sometimes he would just leave me there mm-hmm. 10 15 probably felt like longer and you felt so sexy just and so naughty weren't doing anything but rarely in our lives and our sex lives do we even have sex with the lights on right much less having someone just observe your nakedness you're just taking it in like they're drinking it oh and it was it loved it and what i love about this scene in particular is all body shapes you know lots of people say this but really all sizes all body shapes all people can be attractive here yes. Everybody's preference is different. You never, I've never seen that on display anywhere more than in the BDSM world. And, you know, it did not matter. My master found me attractive. And I love to go to the dungeon and see people who I would have thought before I ever got here a decade ago wouldn't have taken their clothes off in front of people. Because mm-hmm. if it was me, I would have been too ashamed. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love to see them be like, fuck yeah. This is all 350 pounds of me. It's, I'm proud. I love it. And, and to there's someone there that loves it too. That's what I mean. That, yes, that, that exactly. There's just so many people who are like, yeah, take it off. Yeah. I mean, I've had clients certainly express like, will someone be okay with my body? I'm like, there is someone yes. out there that loves everything. Yes. Like, don't you, when you look at men, you don't just like, one body type usually and most of them say like no you're right i do like a variety i'm like men actually are the same way people like variety yes they may have like some consistencies Mm -hmm. but on the whole people like more variety than we give them credit for far more Mm -hmm. and i know when i was growing up it was far more women that that were expected to look a certain way now yeah. men have more pressure on them to look a certain way than they used to you do have a lot of pressure look on at a superhero look mm-hmm. at christopher reeves in like 1970 whatever superman mm-hmm. his body versus henry cavill oh my god mm-hmm. yeah very different yeah very very different expectations these days yeah one of the things that people talk about oftentimes is that bdsm can actually be healing mm-hmm and funny enough, I got a message from a client um, who, who was, uh, I will say, a retired client. Like, we still keep in touch. Absolutely. But she's doing well on her own and things, and she's doing some other work. You meet fantastic people in this line of work. Yes, absolutely. So she messaged me and was like, so to make a long story short, I'm healing my sexual trauma with BDSM. And I want to know why this isn't widely discussed because holy shit, it's great for trauma with the right person. This should be offered as therapy, but like, why must we be so ashamed of sex as a culture? That's a lot of questions. <laughs> right. So Which one? I've, this is a client who I didn't necessarily say like, well, maybe you should look at BDSM. I, I even told her like, I often let people sort of come to that conclusion on their own. And maybe I do need to find a better way to say like, here's a plethora of options. One of them is BDSM. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I maybe I need to find a better way to communicate with people about the healing nature without making it seem like 
you just need to go do this thing and you're going to be fixed. Like, mm-hmm. it's not that. But but there can be. How I do you tell somebody, before. you know, you might enjoy masochism. Right. Right. <laughs> but ex- I know we are actually making, there are studies, psychology, not my favorite industry, mm-hmm. uh, but there are some places in sociology and psychology that are working on looking at BDSM, especially in relation to people who Mm self-harm. And that's the first place that I started to think about healing in BDSM because a lot of us come to this have been self-harmers. And what if there was a, a loving, dominant partner who oversaw that harm? Mm-hmm. So that you're no longer ashamed and hiding in the bathroom, mopping it up and or... hoping that nobody sees the, 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 the Kleenex in the, in the garbage can. But you have a person here who is there with you. They're harming you. So you're getting that same emotional release because whatever it is that's making you want to self-harm is really what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and very often, as it turns out, it's loneliness. It's a lack of, um, why am I blanking on the word? It's like a normal word people use, connection. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, if you're harming with someone else there, also that want that need to self-harm starts to dissipate and disappear because you have the connection. Mm-hmm. But the odds are often that if you do self-harm, you are going to be in some way kind of attracted to masochism. Mm-hmm. You may not get sexually off on it, but you may understand that, like we were talking about climbing to the top of the mountain. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I think with self-harm, that's, that's what that is. It's just a break. Yeah. Everything else has to stop right now while I do this. Yeah. So what if you have this loving dominant who says everything else will stop now because you're going to pull down your pants while I spank you? Yeah. (laughs) It sounds absurd in one way. I remember my vanilla brain and it was say this sounds like (laughs) horseshit. Yeah. But on the other hand, if you like the challenge, also you start to get these incredible endorphins and all these things. Yes. Don't get we'll talk about barehanded spanking on another day because that that's just a pleasure circus. I do like spanking, yes, very much so. So 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 some science is looking at BDSM. Mm-hmm. We've done a lot of studies now. There's a lot more legit studies on how just people who practice BDSM self-report a higher like a higher percentage of satisfaction with their lives than non-kinky people do. Mm-hmm. There's also studies that have come out showing that kink and BDSM, different things, the way they exhibit, start coming out in childhood, actually. Oh, yeah. That your links to child, like there's a correlation between people who um, enjoy bondage and who are into Wonder Woman as children. Duh. Right? That, well, the lasso. Hello. Uh-huh. Yeah, tying people up. and All mm-hmm. of us who figured this out about ourselves can look back now and go, the time I tied Barbie to the pole and we all did a dance ritual around her like we were some sort of natives or like we were burning her or something uh-huh. at the stake. Oh, my uh, certain children in my own life have come to me with pipe cleaners and said, help make, make, can you make me a set of handcuffs? Why? 
because I want to tie my sister to the telephone pole at the end of the block. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. And then okay. that's also why a lot of behavior is probably swatted down by parents, right? Because they start recognizing these, it's not sex play, but it is play that with our adult context, we understand like, oh, that's, a, that's like one day that if it was an adult doing this, that'd be kinky. Like mm-hmm. that's our context with mm-hmm. it. So then a lot of it gets shut down mm-hmm. and kids aren't exploring. And honestly, then by shutting it down, you're making them un- like, why, why can't I do this? Of course. The, the forbidden is what, what kids will seek then. I look back now too at all the times that we might find out that, that something painful actually feels pleasurable. Mm-hmm. But if you're to say that as a kid, somebody says, stop that. You know, I, I saw it with a bunch of um, stepchildren. We just didn't swat it down. Mm-hmm. And to this day, you know, they're getting grown up now, but we no longer, you know, they no longer necessarily think out that hurts. That's bad. Mm-hmm. Like there's a little line in my house to wax our eyebrows now because they figured out, oh, that feels kind of funny. And I was like, yes, dear, that's called masochism. <laughs> it just means you enjoy pain. Mm-hmm. You can do that? Yes, you can. It's got nothing sexual to do with anything. Mm-hmm. It's just that nobody's there to swat and go, stop that. That's freaky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is what my my family would have done stop that whatever it is you're doing just stop it that phrase i've definitely heard that whatever it is you're doing stop it just stop because they don't want to say what they think we're doing because then they think it'll make us like want to do it more or even have to think that far down the road it is abnormal mm-hmm. it's not doesn't fall into the things i'm i'm in the mood with to deal with nor that i am used to dealing with so mm-hmm. just stop mm-hmm. 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 but yeah i i myself it's not that i've experienced the healing natures of bdsm but i have experienced the i guess sort of the transference of taking something that used to not feel good and making it feel good absolutely we get a lot of i don't think we have a higher number of like rape or sexual assault survivors Maybe we do. I bet you we don't. We just happen to be more willing to talk about it. Yes. Yes. Um, And certainly there are a lot of us who've, if we haven't healed those traumas, we've come to a place where we learn, yeah, we survived them, but emotionally did we? We -hmm. take it with us. You can certainly come to a place through BDSM where you come out emotionally having survived it and it becomes a thing that's in the past. Mm -hmm. And the really fucked up thing is sometimes that happens through consensual non-consent play. I just talked about this on an episode I recorded that consensual non-consensual play is something that, especially sexual assault victims, I don't even say it's sexual assault victims, that survivors of sexual assault have said can be really, really healing. And I know, like, if you're listening to this, you might say, like, oh, yeah, I listened to the episode, and that was fucked up. But here it is, the second time coming up, that I I can't be the one to convince people out there that it is healing. All I can say is I have talked to people 
who have had sexual assault in their lives and have said that consensual non-consensual play helped them. Yes. I've seen it in documentaries. I've read it in articles. So, like, to say it's anecdotal, fine. You can say it's anecdotal. Well, I can say it's personal. There you go. I've been there. It mm-hmm. it does. And there's no magical formula that's going to get you there, too. Um, I think there's some of it's just learning that you can survive more than you thought you could mm-hmm. through doing completely different things in the BDSM world. But you start to to feel this power in your own body mm-hmm. that you didn't know was there. And it can be applied retroactively mm-hmm. to that young person or whoever you were when you survived your assault. Mm-hmm. It, it's powerful. And it can shift contexts, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That thing of like, if in your assault you were grabbed by your wrist, transferring that like feeling that sensation someone grabbing your wrist and it not being about that incident and it being about you connecting with your partner now and that feeling of them grabbing your wrist when you they put your head above your hand above your head to tie you up Mm -hmm. that that touch used to not be okay ever 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 and now because you can separate it and contextualize it that this is what my top is doing to me and i'm about to get like the whipping that i love yeah but that's sort of some of the now, ways. On the flip to. side, I can say that those things have you not dealt with them can come back for yes. you. I have a left ankle that it's been a long time since I've been tied up by a left ankle. So I can't tell you if it's still a thing anymore, but I have a left ankle thing, just like the wrist you were talking about. And um, I played with a famous person who was well-respected and everyone knows. So it didn't occur to me to tell him things like, don't grab me by my left ankle. Mm. And he strung me up with a rope from my left ankle. And it was horrifying. Mm. And because he was famous, I was intimidated to say anything. And so I just lived through what just proved to be another awful incident. Mm. And those things happen very easily. These are the big leagues. Mm. This, this sounds like this is not a clinic you can walk in and walk out feeling better. Mm-hmm. This is so much personal growth and work. You have to be prepared for the the left ankle incident because it will occur. Mm -hmm. We make mistakes. I mean, people go out and have sex and have bad sex. They have great sex. You are not going to have, if you're in BDSM and you're you're starting to explore, you're well-versed, doesn't matter. You are not always going to have a great fucking time every single time you play. And I know everybody comes in now having read everything. I've read everything. I've read this, 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 this. It doesn't matter so much. I didn't Mm -hmm. read anything. And I highly advise, go for the experiences, learn from the people around you, then read. Mm -hmm. I Yeah, I was trying to do both at the same time. I was like trying to get out and meet people and have the experience and then learn more. Well, there's so much research information available now that probably wasn't even there 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. but it didn't really occur to me to read much. I didn't know if there was a right or a wrong way. This is just where people go to do some, some stuff that looks pretty gnarly. Yeah. And now, hey, there's sex coaches like me that exist to help people learn about this stuff. And that wasn't around 10 years ago really either. So... Well, I, before we wrap up, I want to know, I mean, obviously we're, we're getting to that point with COVID where I think we've got the light at the end of the tunnel is how I've been describing it. You know, like we can see like, okay, we're, people are getting vaccinated, all that stuff. So plans with an asterisk, what are you hoping to still do in 2021 or just whenever you're reopened? 
I, I'm do hoping. you do like events and workshops, mm-hmm. stuff like that? Yes. Perfect. So that'll start back up again. Yes. We, we actually had just started, um, an edge play series, Ooh. uh, right as we thought COVID was dying down. So we were mm-hmm. getting ready to bring it back. So we've had one, but it's supposed to be a 12 month, once a month for 12 months. Nice. We build up. We start with intro to edge play. Next is humiliation and degradation. After that will come, uh, don't ask me, I can't remember, but we build. Then we go to breath play. Then we go to um, things like waterboarding. Then we'll go eventually all the way to gun play. Mm-hmm. These aren't things that most of your listeners would even get into because we vet very hard for these classes. But, well, they may I, have uh, conceptually the ideas of it. And then there's other people who are going like, holy shit. But again, there's, it's all about being sane, safe, and consensual. Yes. Nobody is participating in it that wouldn't want to participate in it. No. There's going to be absolute, obviously, safety protocols in place and and things like that. Well, so there's like, only, right now, there's only 20 people allowed in each class, mm-hmm. and we have to to know you. That's what I mean by vetting. Mm-hmm, Most mm-hmm. of the people, your listeners are, are just... Uh, I don't know them and I'm not letting anybody in who doesn't have a certain level of known experience to show them how to fucking waterboard somebody Mm -hmm. because people die, Mm -hmm. you know, and then in each class builds in what we kind of arbitrarily measure is more serious the next one and the next one and the next one. So that will start back up at some point. Um, I don't know when the black dog is just going to open for, Normal events, before COVID, we'd have one formal Saturday night mm-hmm. a month, and that's got a dress code, which upset everybody in the community when we first came around, because we thought we were so hot <laughs> that we could ask people to put on a suit and a dress. Well, the, most of us gals have so much fun fetish clothes and know where to wear it. There I'm you not going to get dressed up to go to the dungeon where everybody else is wearing like a shirt they wiped a greasy pork chop across. <laughs> I'm not. Uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm putting you. on stockings and garter belts, then other people better be dressed up too. Yeah. So I've seen you in leather corsets before. It's pretty hot. We You've got in, like costumes. Oh, yeah. 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 And you should. <laughs> and if you have those things, you should have a place to wear them. So our yeah. only rule with the black dog is since we're in a neighborhood is cover it up before you get, as soon as you get inside mm. the door, then you can take off your cover or your wrap or whatever, mm-hmm. and then feel free to go about it. Uh, but so we have one Saturday night that's always formal and it's the best men in suits are the sexiest things. I'm with you you on that. Yes. So people who bitch about it and don't want to come, don't have to come and fine. We get to see hot people in suits and cool clothes Mm -hmm. and once a Saturday. And then we would have once a month, we would have what we call chicken Friday, which originally was made called chicken because people were too afraid to come to the black dog because they thought it was too fancy or they wouldn't know what to do so we have a relaxed protocol relaxed dress code night once a month on fridays now they serve like i think we serve like those chicken nuggets you know the frozen tyson (laughs) it's it's completely opposite of what everybody thinks the place is like so Uh we serve uh, little chicken bites and you you can wear um, less dressy clothes and you don't have to worry about which piece of furniture you sit on and you don't sit on. We <laughs> yeah, also encourage yeah. people who are looking to get vetted for our Saturday night parties to sort of come to those. Mm-hmm. Um, the vetting policy is pretty strict for Kansas City. Now, other places it would be considered really loose, but Kansas City is really used to, if you have a heartbeat, you can come. Mm-hmm. So old school used to have a book. 
where people had written your your approval in it and you would bring it from town to town and you couldn't oh. get in without the book all these mm. handwritten notes from other people that the people in these underground dungeons knew interesting yeah it hasn't been that long that we've just been handing this information out to everybody mm. and i'm a little old school and that's part of the thing with like the edge play classes you're not coming i mean you have to earn your way up to this information yeah. and a lot of people don't like that now mm-hmm they, they think just, they should get it because it's out there. Mm-hmm. I exist, therefore it's mine. Yeah. And eh, we come from a long tradition of earning. And, and there's people out there who want the information that are not ready. And really resent anybody telling them that they're not. But that's yeah. what a community leadership is for. You know, I, I've, it took me a decade to get here. Mm-hmm. Not six months. And I will still tell you, I only know a lot about my kind of BDSM. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's far more I don't know, which is another thing. You can't stop learning. You never run out. There's more. So if you are just starting on your journey, like you're telling me, it's a rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. You don't come back. I, I mean, part of it, I had to learn a lot for school. You know, I had to get my certification as a sex coach. I had to... Oh, my cat's saying hi. Hi. Um, he woke up from his nap. I I had to do a lot of research. I had to read a lot. I had to, you know, basically do reports, you know, about things. But there's still so much out there to learn and, and understand. I mean, even though I've heard of something doesn't mean I totally understand it. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on That's this so funny. Journey. We come from two different backgrounds on that. Like, yeah. I have my master's in social work. So mm-hmm. I forgot to mention at the beginning, I'm not normally just a a dominatrix what I really do is I'm a life coach specifically for people with alternative sexualities Uh so you and I are very closely aligned yes although I also do a good deal of polyamory counseling Mm -hmm. and I can't call it couples counseling but I haven't figured out quite what polycule counseling oh yeah there you go Right. Yeah. But like half the people don't know what I'm talking yeah. about. And then I also get a fair amount of people like I'm submissive and I want to come out to my wife, but I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So I get them both in there. And I find when the person approaches it with an, a professional in the room, it really goes a lot. Yeah. Well, it really goes well. I love helping people open up to their partners about their kink or about their fetish or about like whatever it is they're into that they've been holding back on. I love helping people with that path. I love um, counseling. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I love counseling, but I really love couples counseling or relationship counseling. All the words are changing so fast. Yeah. Because it's essentially really easy. All I do is ask you to tell the truth out loud to this person. You say what you really yes. feel out loud to this person. Now we work with what we have. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I, man, getting people to just talk about stuff and to, to show up without the expectation because their expectation is always that it's going to be received poorly. Yes. They always think they're going to be judged. Maybe it's because they in the past have judged other people. Or one is there to make the other one prove the other one is wrong or right. Exactly. And they may have seen a counselor who's done that in the past. Because of their own shit, Right. Oh, a lot counselors of is crazy. You know that. I had this conversation with someone the other day that I have a lot of really wonderful therapist friends in my life. I have other people that I know that are therapists. That it's like, oh, honey, you need therapy for a while before you keep practicing. 
I had more of those than not, but I had one who changed my life, and that's how I got here today. That's wonderful. I, I've had two very good therapists. One was, it was kind of like college, but yeah. I've had two very, very good therapists in my life, and I think therapy is just like any other thing out there. There's really, really good ones. There's really, really poor ones, and you've got to understand when is that therapist open, honest, aware if you're going to go in and talk about your sex life, but this is not a sex therapist, that's one thing. Even if they are a sex therapist, but they are not kink aware, kink friendly, you know, if they, if they care what your gender identity is, if they care who you love or they care how your relationship is structured and they're telling you you're right or you're wrong or something's amiss in those regards, like find another therapist. Mm -hmm. If you don't go to somebody who is affirming, who is understanding, who is like, oh, you want to be monogamous. Cool. You want to be in an open relationship. Cool. You want to be in a group dynamic with five people. Cool. You know, like whatever it is you want, that therapist should be helping you figure out the ways to make it work. Not telling you that something's wrong with you. I don't know if I could tell five people that they're going to make it work, to be quite honest. I'll send them to you. If they think they can make it work, like make it work, I would probably ask the critical questions of how will you make this work? Okay. It's a lot of asking them like, all right, that's what you want. How do you get there? Yeah. Mine is though, how do you get there without being completely dysfunctional about it? You know, I think it depends upon whether they're looking at this as a long-term thing or a short-term thing. Are you just looking to like have some fun for now? Is this going to be like, you're going to buy like 50 acres and you're going to start your own little like compound (laughs) compound or something, you know? That's where I'm headed. (laughs) I'm looking at compound. My partner and I have joked about doing the compound thing because we want to move to California and homestead. He's from California, like Northern California, Orville area. And we want to go buy property and homestead. And we're in an open relationship. And he's like, you know, we could just have like multiple buildings on the property. And if we met someone we yeah. really love, they could just, I'm like, let's not get too into the compound idea yet. You, you <laughs> might think of it this way. I have noticed cults work way better. You know, communes, they just all fall apart. Cults can <laughs> stick together for a long time because like I run, run my household and I run my dungeon. Uh-huh. Lots of dungeons are owned by several people or a group of people trying to work. Mm-mm. I run a benevolent dictatorship and it runs very, very smoothly because we just don't have those human arguments and all of that shit that people do. Mm-hmm. But a cult runs the same way. Everybody is on board. Mm-hmm. I would love to live on a, a communal <laughs> piece of property. I just, it always seems to cave in. But the book I was going to read. Too many read, egos. The book I want you to read or tell your people to read mm-hmm. because it's its right on there. It's called Tribe. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've heard of that book. Yeah. By um, Younger. What's his first? Sebastian Younger. Mm. He wrote The Perfect Storm, but he also did a lot of mm. Iraq and um, Afghani war correspondence. Mm-hmm. If you've read his stuff, whether or not you realized did it. Did he write Last True Story Last True Story I'll Ever Tell? I don't know. I'll have to look at that. Okay, but it's try. really short. Mm-hmm. I mean, I listened to it in two and a half hours, I think, mm-hmm. on audiobook. Mm-hmm. And it's it's all really relevant for what we're going through right now because right now we're all so isolated and tribe Mm -hmm. is all about how what humans really need is to reattach to reconnect to live in these where we have these um 
the, the, uh, what's it called? A communal goal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas we live right now, everybody is so separate. I mean, really, if smartphones would explode, everything in the world would become 10 times better over fucking night. I don't disagree. Oh, my God. They do keep us separate. They, it's like they connect us, but they keep us separate. We're not really as connected it's as we think we are. It's a false sense of connection. Yeah. And I think we feel really hollow and empty because of it. Mm-hmm. And then COVID came and showed employers that you can keep everybody isolated and at home. And you don't have to pay for the overhead of them to have to go to an office. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned. And have community. Yeah. I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, if I wasn't, if I wasn't a solopreneur... And I had a, I used to do a lot of networking events. Is that what it's called? Yeah, solo. I'm a solopreneur. Yeah, because it's just you, right? It's just me. Oh, yeah, yes. business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, but the benevolent dictatorship. Yeah. I, I can't have a partnership. That's why I kind of realized years ago I shouldn't I shouldn't work for people because I am I just I kind of want to just do my own thing. Just want to do my own thing. Well, I had an art. I had like, an art degree before mm-hmm. before my my midlife. I went back to school in my mid thirties and. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, I would like to do a tarot reading for you, and then we can uh, let the people know how to reach you. So if you go ahead and split that for me. Let's see what we have here. Ooh, the Seven of Water. So will you go ahead and describe that card to the listeners? Wow. It's a rather provocative-looking card. Mm-hmm. Are they all this pervy? Yes, it's my erotic tarot deck oh, from Italy. I thought maybe it was special. There is a very sexy woman taking a shower very naked and sexy and there's a very creepy looking dark hulking character on his way in to the shower room at the doorway mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she has her back to oh, kind of to her side you can see her bottom and like side boob and she's got her head back and her eyes closed like does she even notice this no she guy? doesn't think he's there He's sort of like a demon looking. Yes. Right? So the water suits what corresponds to cups, the sense of sight, and the spiritual and emotional sphere. Water controls daydreams, mental images, the lure of the unknown, and the exotic and adventurous situations. It's also that part of attraction which comes from what is irrational and from romantic desire. So the seven... The seven is about imagination, whimsy, intangible danger it's about Mm. venus and scorpio the need to love ardently and secretly so did that resonate with you yes (laughs) and who's the monstery guy he's the mystery he's the mystery he's the he's the intangible danger maybe Maybe she's the intangible danger. Ooh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, doesn't he kind of look like he's in like a latex suit? Yes, sort of? yes. Mm-hmm. And like with the inflation, like the with all the the bobbles. Mm-hmm. The oh, yeah, he's got like bobbles on him, like like nodules on his suit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a little creature from the deep. Mm-hmm. But with these sort of tumor-like things sticking out of his head and the side of his where his ears would be. They kind of look like penises to me. <laughs> also small penises. <laughs> They're the bulbous ones. Uh, right. That one, like, you got a big head on that one. I think you and I just need to have coffee, like, once a week and just record it as well. We could just have <laughs> the coffee that. talk. <laughs> we could start a separate show. Yes. I love it. Well, 
Mistress Elliot, this has been an absolute pleasure interviewing you today. I have wanted to have you on my show for a while. So for a glad long that we time. got to make this happen. I've been meaning been to come yeah. by. <laughs> so how can the people find you? Well, thank you very much for having me. I'd love to do these. So anytime. Uh, you can find me uh, on my um, life coaching, therapeutic life coaching website, which is where you're likely to find me if you want to hire me. If mm -hmm. you have any questions, you can also contact me through that. That website is Healing KC. That's all one word, H-E-A-L-I-N-G-K-C.com. And that's uh, my website. My contact is there, but I'm also Elliot at healingkc.com and that's elliot with e-l-l-i-o-t one t two l's i have to spell it for right. myself to remember <laughs> if you're on fat life you just type in mistress elliot all one word i'm it'll be hard to miss me if you look around kansas city and you can also look up the black dog that group has a profile and we also have a discussion group and then there, I'm on a lot of places. There are a lot of podcasts out there with my, I, I'm not going to tell you what they all are, but um, you should find me there. Yeah. Perfect. yeah. And you can also just email me at M-E, that stands for Mistress Elliot, mm -hmm. but it also looks like me at mistresselliot.com because I also have a mistresselliot.com website for my pro-dom business, but I think it's taken down right now. Mm. Because I felt bad for all the poor, unfortunate people who couldn't get an appointment. <laughs> Make them want it more. Yeah, Make them want it cut more. down on all my, it just made me feel terrible to get applications because I was like, <laughs> I'm, I have COVID fever. I can't answer these because yeah. I'm just dead. And, and I can't make an appointment with you anyway. So yeah. it was just depressing me. It'll be back up soon then. Right? Maybe. Maybe. Um, uh, the whole idea over time has been more therapist work, less pro-dom work. There you go. Until it's all, until somebody's doing it, the work for me. Yeah. There you go. Well, thank you again so very much. And I wish you all the best. And thank you for doing this. I think this is just good work. People need this. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast and check the show notes for stuff we talked about during the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, and TikTok, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my safe for work or not safe for work email list, which I call the Dirty Bird. If you want less censored content about sex and relationships and want to know what I'm up to, please subscribe to that list. Send me an email, Kristen at Open the Doors Coaching, if you have a question, want to book a session, or want more information on my upcoming workshops. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.